Well, hello everyone again. Uh, we are here um, for part two, I guess, of uh, going deeper. Um, we're going to be diving in one last time, talking about um, our series that we just finished here at City Church, Becoming Family. So we've been talking about all things community for several weeks now, and today um, in this podcast, we're gonna be wrapping it all up. I think, Matt, you have a jingle for our podcast. I do, were... um, but you're never going to hear it, so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> that was uh, only for the pre-recorded part oh, of it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, exclusive, exclusive members only. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's if you're like on Patreon or something yeah. like yeah. that. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Sign yeah. up, sign up, subscribe, yeah. like, and subscribe. <laughs> um, okay, hard-hitting question first. Uh, would you rather travel to the past or to the future? Well, I'm just sitting here and thinking, I, I don't know that I've ever actually thought about this. My initial <laughs> thought was past, but then there was a lot of conflict happening in my brain. Okay. And now I think I might want to go to the future. So I don't know. <laughs> future for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm team future as well. Yeah. Future. Like back to the future. Yeah. No. Forward to the future. Joke. Dad joke. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think my curiosity makes me want to go forward. For sure. Yeah, see the future, definitely. Okay, so we um, actually hard-hitting questions. Um, we're going to move into one of the topics in this last half of the series um, was on church hurt, which is, um, you know, a hot-button issue. And I know that it, um, if you've been in church for longer than just a short little while, then you've dealt with it um, on varying levels of degrees, but we've all kind of dealt with that before. And so just kind of want to, dive deeper into that topic. And so the first question is, how have you dealt with church hurt in your own life and what guided you through during difficult seasons? Yeah, one of the things that was always interesting to me when I was younger is just how people could carry things for so long. And I just never understood that. Um, now I do because I've had significant hurt mm. uh, happen within the last 10 years or so. And um, but that always like amazed me, you know, when I was in my 20s and even early 30s of just how long people could carry things. You hear people like, I've carried that grudge for 10, 20 years mm. or longer. Yeah. Um, that just blew my mind. But um, now I see that, you know, at 48 years old and realize that I could do the very same thing mm -hmm. uh, with some of the hurts that I've had. Mm -hmm. um, but I, the biggest thing for me is just having people in my life that I can process this with, um, that can provide a, you know, unbiased answer. Um, cause it's easy to find people to agree mm -hmm. with you, mm -hmm. uh, whether, no matter what side you're on. Um, but that's really key is having healthy people that can give you a really, um, you know, biblical sound based answer that's unbiased, mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, like their opinion right. per se. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think there's obviously some things happens in the in the church sometimes and you just you look and you're like man I'm so sorry like that's horrendous mm -hmm. there's nothing you can say to make it better it's going to take a while to to overcome it and process it and things of that nature I think there's a lot of church hurt that happens because we have maybe misguided expectations we're not prepared right we set people and churches and systems up on platforms and assume that you know, perfect churches and people exist, and then we're so blown away when we realize they don't. Right. 
And so I think some of that's on us, right? That part's on us to say perfect people in churches don't exist, but healthy churches and healthy leaders do exist, you know? And what does that look like? And just knowing like, yeah, people are going to fail you. Um, you know, I, growing up in the church, I have a million stories of church hurt, things I've seen. What always comes to mind is my senior year of high school, I, I grew up in one of the largest kind of churches in America. It was, you know, the place people wanted to go, pastor that was larger than life, thousands and thousands of people. In my senior year of high school, it kind of started to all unravel. And that was me old enough to say, okay, this is what happens when godly people start to do ungodly things. This is why you don't put your hope in people and pastors. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I could see things now that, you know, even feeling called to ministry senior in high school, I'm like, this is not, this is not what healthy people do. And that was hard because, you know, you do kind of set these people up in your mind to be bigger than life. And then when you realize that they're human and they make mistakes, you're just like, you have to wrestle through that. Right. Um, but that was a journey for me of just like, I learned how to honor people sometimes when they do wrong, mm-hmm. um, learn to be honest about what was broken. Honestly, I looked at a lot of it and said, here's what I'm going to do different. Yeah. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to replicate that. I'm not, I, I don't want to finish poorly, you know, things like that. And so mm-hmm. that was the first time that I remember in my life just having to look and say, okay, yeah, this person and group of people feel like they let me down, but it's not indicative of who God is who the church is, you know, Mm -hmm. it's people. Yeah, definitely. I know, uh, for me, obviously I, I, uh, preached the sermon on church hurt. So I shared some of my story, um, or one of the stories when you've been in church as long as I have of a lot, just like what you said. Um, but one of the things personally that really helped me process was journaling, um, through, kind of in and out. I journal in seasons. Sometimes I really feel like I'm supposed to be doing this. Um, And that was one of those seasons to where it was really hard to verbally talk about it um, for whatever reason. Um, And so it was hard to kind of say it out loud, but I was able to process in a way through journaling that I wasn't able to process any other way. Um, And so that was really... um, really powerful for me in that season and processing through and even getting to a place where, okay, now I can do like what you were talking about, Jim, and like processing with other people that were going to guide me in the right, in the right way. But journaling is really powerful for me um, in those difficult seasons for sure. Yeah. You have to get it out, you know, whether it's written or spoken word Mm -hmm. and I'm more spoken word, you know, than written word. And, um, but processing it is the key. Yeah. You know, and that's where, you know, counselors and coaches and mentors come into play Mm -hmm. of like, you're not going to get through that on your own. Yeah, definitely. And and shouldn't, you know, we need help. So how can we remain self-aware about our own part in church conflict? I think that's a big, a big key. I was, we were, but now we're processing this question beforehand and I was remembering and thinking about this, uh, when Lainey was early in middle school, there was a lot of drama, uh, like, you know, girl drama, um, that she was kind of in. And after several different things, I was like, okay, Lainey, we need to look at what's the common denominator in all of these 
and is it you? (laughs) (laughs) um, And so like just being aware of like, hey, this seems to follow me or hey, this is like happening in a lot of different situations and just like realizing that what's my own part in this? Am I feeding this, you know, fire? Yeah, I think that's hard (laughs) to face because there are people, especially nowadays, I, I think they're just eternally a victim so it's like it's easy to be like, well, it just happens wherever I go and people always let me down. And they, you can't look inward and say, yeah, there's a part that I play in all these scenarios because of this behavior, because I, I refuse to actually deal with conflict when it arises. You know, it's, um, I think that's important to be able to look and say, yeah, it's, you know, there's a difference between like God's good and, and perfect in all things and the church is right doing our best to reflect that and falling short. And so you stick in the church long enough, you're going to experience this, right? You're going to be a part of it. You're going to fall short. And even just the unrealist, unrealistic expectations, like you were saying, of I think I've run into a lot of like, um, you know, just people having unrealistic expectations of a leader and maybe they've never led in the in that way before and just having like, to really fully understand, I think when you have stepped into any sort of role, then you kind of, you gain a new grace for, yeah. oh, when, I, when you're leading this many people or when you're having to do juggle being a volunteer and working a full-time job or whatever the case may be with your church position, yeah. um, if you've never done it before, like don't be so quick to throw stones because there's a lot of things that you may not understand that are happening behind the scenes. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. We live in a really weird moment where the only thing people love more than putting people on platforms is ripping them off Tearing. them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's like we love both of those. Yes. Yes. So we created the systems that sometimes we rail against and that we hate so badly. Right. It's like oh, we put these people up to this unmanageable position and then we just we, we go off whenever they're not able to maintain it. Mm-hmm. You know, so some of it is what we've done, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was, uh, you know, just got back from church camp. So I was at camp all last week. Um, <clears throat> and on Thursday, we were in the sun all day, blazing heat. It was miserable. Um, yelling, screaming, running races, all the craziness. And I, I just felt my, like, ability to deal with teenagers. Just my tank was just emptying so fast. And... Um, on Thursday afternoon, I, a couple of my older kids were acting stupid, saying dumb things, and I came down on them, like, hard. And, um, or at least harder than I probably should have. And um, I had to process after I did that, like, was that done out of love? Was there any peace? Was there any long-suffering? Was there any of this? And so I think there's the other side of that church hurt. I had to go apologize to those students, set them down. We cried together. It was sweet. It was a good time. But, um, but the other side of that church hurt is being able to look at ourselves and go, like, are my actions, are my words hurting others as well? Yeah. Um, and so being able to, like, that's always been a good lens for me to look through the idea of the fruit of the Spirit like, do my actions and words um, convey those? And if not, yeah. then I think that's a good litmus test for us to put ourselves under to say, hey, I could be a part of this problem yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a self-aware to say yeah. I've 
been the recipient of church hurt. Yeah. And unfortunately, I've been a part of giving it yeah. and yeah. causing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, maybe not, they're not the same in regards to the degree of them, but yeah, it, we're sinful, broken people doing the best to reflect the image of God in a community of people that's still, you know, yep. sinful. And it's, yeah. that's, that's always going to be messy. And there's always going to be a level of like, I, I need healing and I have to give healing, you know, <laughs> yeah. this, this back and forth. Yep. And having, again, just people in your life that can speak honestly to you mm-hmm. and speak to the like, yes, that wasn't handled right, but also the way you handled it wasn't right either. And so like to be being able to have people in your life that are going to speak truth. If you're willing to so listen. To if them. you're willing to listen. <laughs> listen, that's hard. Uh, church hurt, if dealt with in isolation, will grow I just think in insurmountable ways beyond yes. what you ever thought. It'll, yep. You'll experience trauma and it will go from resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness mm-hmm. to a point where, you know, you see these people today that are so anti-church. Yes. yes. It's like you never dealt with the hurt and the pain. Yep. Now you th- see all people through this image of what happened to you yes. and it'll take you places you never dreamed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It becomes fuel on the other side. Absolutely. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. One of the things um, I thought was interesting in our community is uh, in the Sunday morning, we preached a sermon on church hurt. And then that night we had our first microchurch discovery night, which is, um, you know, our next step into deeper community and really becoming family. Um, And so we had all these people that were coming to uh, join a microchurch. And one of the things that we heard in several different, uh, tables, um, different conversations that night was, um, that they were so anxious, um, to come and to take this step again. And even just that language of knowing that like, Hey, they have taken a step before and it didn't go the way they thought. Um, and now they're here again to take another step into becoming family. And so it just kind of got me thinking of like, what do you say to someone who has been hurt before? And they're anxious about going all the way in again with community. I, I think we addressed this even in our first episode, talking yeah. about sitting people with people in their pain. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's an element of, you know, I, I find myself apologizing to people all the time on behalf of the church. Yeah. It's not how it should be. Yes. Someone should not have done that to you. I can't believe that you had to go through that with somebody who... Um, you know, claims to be a follower of Jesus. This weekend, this holiday weekend, I'd read the memoir of Beth Moore. It was my book for the weekend. And, you know, she mm-hmm. tells her story in there of just all the things that happened to her. And most of them were in the context of the local church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're talking about abuse and all of these things that have happened. And I just, you know, reading these pages of all these things that happened to her within the walls of the church, just my heart breaking. Mm-hmm. It's like, here she is now whole healed, using that, but how many people never get there? Right. Right. You know? And so, you know, sitting with people and realizing some of this church hurt is not just moving on after a day or two. Some of it is so deep. It, it's going to take being in an environment of authenticity and transformation for a considerable amount of time, you know, um, before they're able to get there. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like that question is also like really nuanced and that's Mm -hmm. why it is so difficult to answer that you almost want to hear the story yeah, to an extent, right? Because um, hurt is hurt, yes, but 
there can be varying degrees of, of that hurt Absolutely. and um, what that's stirring up within an individual. Mm -hmm. And so that's, yeah. that makes that question a little bit more difficult to answer, but yeah. to what you said, I think sure. you're right, yeah. Well, I always try to paint the picture of what happens if you don't move towards freedom. Right. Look, look yeah. at the end result of mm -hmm. what bitterness and resentment will do. Yes. It will yep. destroy yes. your soul. Yes. Yep. You can't allow church hurt mm -hmm. to stay and to embed itself. Because on the, I mean, you know, like the bitterness, resentment, all that unforgiveness, it rips the beauty and the wonder yep. of all of life, mm -hmm. right? Leaves you unable to really have whole, genuine relationships. Yep. Yep. And so you've, you've got to take it from where it is and work through it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to say. Like um, play both um, paths down a little bit. You know, the, ba the path of... Uh, you know, those conversations that we had that night, I was just so proud of them for coming and showing up, like just so much courage and boldness. Um, and so, yeah, like play out the taking the step again um, and going down that road. And then if you don't, what is the alternative? The yeah. alternative is to kind of, to stay stagnant, to kind of stay and grow in this place um, and let it be a lens that you look through you know, in the rest of your time in community or in church family, it will um, stunt your growth. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're not willing to be vulnerable again and hang on to the rope, as yeah. we say, and kind of keep going. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Matt and I have had so many of these conversations. And, you know, when we started City Church 14 years ago, um, I just kind of stumbled my way into a group called The Journey, like here in town. And uh, the whole process was learning to abide in Christ out of John 15. And uh, I was like, I think most church people, like I'd never been discipled, never been taught, you know, what does that actually look like? And, um, you know, for me, that was like the key in overcoming so many of these things as mm -hmm. truly learning just to abide in Christ, you know, to rest in him. Yeah. Um, I'd never surrounded myself with a group of men like that ever. You know, I was 30, four years old. I'd never done that. Mm -hmm. And I've been in ministry for goodness, 25 years now. And, uh, but that was really where all that began to kind of unfold and unravel. I was like, what does this look like? You know, I can go through hurt and trust these other people. Yeah. Uh, and it's part of, you know, it's mm -hmm. part of all of our stories. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I think that's quintessential of, you know, if you're not abiding, you're never going to get over it mm -hmm. and you're never going to trust again yeah. um, because you have to first trust the father. Yeah. And, and that, I think that's the key. I really mm -hmm. do. Yeah. yeah. Good. I, I think there's this biblical precedent, you know, all throughout scripture, especially in the gospels of just boldness, yeah. mm -hmm. right. Of God doing something on the other side of a woman fighting through the crowd and a, a group of friends willing to rip off a roof and, you know, a, a man willing to cry out, you know, to Jesus over and over again and all these things, it's like these boldness. And let me tell you, when you're in isolation and you're in hurt and pain to move towards being known and to show up in a place yeah. and to yeah. say, yeah, this freaks me out, but I'm here anyway. That's, that's faith. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's, it's, it's like, it's not always, you know, these huge stories we read in scripture, sometimes it is, I did not want to show up in that room tonight, but I did anyway, because I knew that's where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, that's the places God meets us. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we could go around, you know, the room here and share stories of those little uncomfortable things that we did that yes. led to the greatest blessing. Yes. Yep. That's usually how it works. Yep. It's yep. uncomfortable. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I was really surprised when I went through my divorce of just because I had these group of men around me. I was learning to abide of like how I even saw that. You know, it was completely different mm. than anything like I, you know, I wouldn't have responded that way if I didn't have those men in my life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we all need that. You know, yeah. you need women in your life. You know, Bodie, Matt, and I need a group of men in our life to help us, to listen yes. to us, mm -hmm. to speak truth into our lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think when you're going through those moments of hurt, of pain, of trauma, you have to recognize that you're not seeing clearly. Correct. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. yes. You're not seeing it mm -hmm. for what it is because because of what's happened to you, yep. mm -hmm. right? So I remember when you walked through that, it was like you even looking to these guys and you look to me and it's like, you guys tell me what I need to be doing, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Because I just walked through the greatest betrayal. My heart still hurts. What, what do I need to be doing? Yep. Right. Instead of me trying to figure it out mm -hmm. or allowing the bitterness yeah. and resentment just to build, you know, I think that's a huge part of self-awareness. Yeah, yep. that's so good. So how do you know when it's time to transition. <laughs> Let's transition to transitions. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, maybe from a church or a ministry or a position, a lot of different ways that we can talk about this, but this is a, um, a, a big topic. And yeah. I think that it's one that I feel like that our church, our church culture has really put a lot of emphasis on doing it well. Um, and so let's talk about that a little bit. How do, you, how do you know when it's time to transition? I think the first thing is just normalizing the, the whole idea yes. of it. Yes, and, yes, yes. Um, transition is not done well majority of the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, train wreck, <laughs> bad. Um, but this is something we continually talk about as a staff is every one of us uh, in this podcast you know, sitting here, we're going to transition at some point. It's, it's a natural part of life, mm -hmm. yes. you know, and uh, we're going to transition from this life to the next, you know, that's the ultimate transition. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think we have to normalize it of like, it's a natural thing of life. It's not some weird thing that we avoid or we don't talk about. Mm -hmm. And I know this is a soapbox for Matt and I. Absolutely. We could mm -hmm. talk about this for 18 hours. Yes, yes we, <laughs> could. we could, we could. I think that's truly where you have yeah. to begin. Yeah. It's like, we got to talk about it. It's, it's normal part of life. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Oh, I have so many things to say. I'm going to have to concise it. Just go bring for it. it. Bring it down. <laughs> I've, you, you've probably heard me, if you've been around City Church, say this a million times, but spiritual maturity, yeah. how you handle conflict, how you transition. Mm. Two things that I, I think people have not had modeled well. Transition is normal. No. I'm not going to be the lead pastor of City Church my entire life. So when I do transition, how do I transition and do I do it well? And we all gasp. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like we get so shocked when people transition, but it is a normal part of life. Yes. You know, organizations change, use change, seasons of life change. Now, sometimes people are transitioning all the time because they don't know how to stay somewhere. Right. Yeah. So you have to know yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm intensely loyal. I'll stay somewhere too long rather than go in and out of places. And so knowing that about yourself, but I, I always say the word honor, yeah. honoring people in your transition. Yes, that's a difficult conversation. I know you don't want to have it, but do you need to have it in order to honor the people, mm -hmm. you know, the leader, the boss, because you will never regret that. Yeah. Let's just be honest. The most difficult thing about being a lead pastor 
for the last 14 years is people that I'm in deep relationship with who ghost you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you didn't just attend city church. We did life together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're not even going to tell me. Yep. Yep. So a couple things now happen. Now our relationship is awkward. Mm-hmm. Now you feel like you can't ever come back and celebrate everything that you helped build. Yeah. Now there's unspoken, like what really happened that's just never clear. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but let me tell you, if you transition out of city church, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to pray over you. And you didn't receive any of that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because instead of, yeah. instead of talking about it, yeah. we just we just decide to avoid it. Avoid it. You know, what does honor look like in transition? How do I honor the people around me, the systems? How, how, how can I do that as I go? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think transition needs to be a surprise either. You know, typically it is a surprise. Mm-hmm. Oh, guess what? I got a new job. I'm out of here in two weeks. You know, it's like, I know how furious Matt would be if I did that to him. It's like, <laughs> no, that's not how we do that. You know, it's like we've been doing life together for Mm -hmm. years and years, decades now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, no, it shouldn't be a surprise. It doesn't need to be a surprise. And uh, I think because of our culture, it's typically a surprise Mm -hmm. of like, Mm -hmm. I can't talk to them about that because of X, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I've got to go find the next thing and then either don't tell them or surprise them of like, oh, by the way. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like um, what I have encountered the most my advice would be uh it's probably long you're probably supposed to stick around longer than you think yeah because my experience has been the like don't know how to stay one thing from the next um and not really settling into like i i think you're running from something i don't think it's time to transition necessarily from this position i feel like you're running from something and just not willing to kind of you know set roots in and uh and establish yeah. something. Yeah, you know? that's good. Well, let's be honest. That has absolutely killed church culture in America. Yes. Because we get to community until it becomes difficult. We have to have a serious conversation or there's conflict. And we just assume the only re- <laughs> end result is transition. Right. right. When most of the time it's not. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, yeah, you need to work through this. You know, sometimes transition is the only way forward. Right. I- I'll say this too, because people are listening right now. You're in an environment, not just church, but you're in a job, schools, you know, relationships, something like that, where it's not a healthy culture, mm. right? So you can't determine how somebody else is going to respond to transition. You mm-hmm. can only determine how you do. Mm-hmm. Will you honor somebody, whether they honor you back? And I've been there. It's like, I'm going to transition well, and they don't receive it well. Mm-hmm. You know, they see it as abandonment or this or that. And I'm like, well, I can't, I can't control what you yeah. do, but I can't control what I do. And at the end of the day, do you believe that God will honor your honoring? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's, there's a scriptural precedent. You look at the life of David. David, I've said this many times. The reason I think he was a man after God's own heart is because he honored people that other people wouldn't. I'm going to honor you, Saul, even though you're trying to kill me. I'm going to honor your lineage, Mephibosheth. I'm going to honor the people that came from your family. I'm going to honor people that just didn't seem to be worthy of it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think there's something about that where, where God looks at that and that humility and that level of honor. And I think he blesses it. Mm-hmm. That's good. Any other practical advice on how to transition? Well, I, I'd, I'd add to this real quick, just going with the mentality of what do I need to do? What do you want me to do? How can I transition the best possible way? How can I leave this better than I found it? As a leader, I want yeah. you to build off of what I've built, not have to rebuild. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, these are all ways that I think you can honor. Yeah. I'll stick around longer if I need to. I mean, you have to figure that out in order mm -hmm. to transition this well. I mean, those are the ways that I think you leave a job. And you, t you have that mentality of like, man, I would hire that person back or they were a blessing while they were mm -hmm. here, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the ultimate is just keep the communication lines open. Yeah. You know, don't feel like you have to hold your cards or mm -hmm. things like that. And I know some situations are toxic, you know, it's like can be used against you, but right. um, you're doing, we're talking about doing transition well, right? Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, keeping the lines of communication open. Yeah. 100%. Good. Good stuff. Okay, a little uh, rapid fire question, fun break. All right, we ready? What's your favorite month? We'll go this way. Starting with me? Starting with you. October. That's a good one. <laughs> November. What? <laughs> Yours is November? Yeah. Ditto. Mine's December. September. Such a fall, All people here. Fall. Yeah. Well, technically, mine would be winter, but yes. <laughs> not until the twenty first. <laughs> it's yes. not July. You didn't ask us our favorite season. Yeah, it's yes. definitely not July, though. That's right. Yeah, definitely not July. Okay, salty or sweet? Ooh, salty. 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 Mm, I'm probably gonna go sweet. Nice. Yeah. Okay. What time do you usually go to bed? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a ten thirty to eleven kind of guy. Be I'm honest. gonna be like way later, <laughs> aren't I? Yes. Uh, Twelve thirty to one thirty. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely like ten. Everything just starts to shut down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would prefer to go to bed at like eight thirty nine, but I'm married to a night owl, <laughs> and so uh, you know sometimes it's you know between ten and eleven. Okay. And I I I don't enjoy that because yes. I you know like to get up early okay last one what is your nervous or anxious tell or habit do you have something that you do whenever you're nervous or anxious that's like a a tell i'm not sure i probably do like all the time or for certain things e sure yes either, <laughs> either one <laughs> uh, so i'll give mine this is kind of hard to explain if you're only listening but like i uh the top of your fingers where it like bends the wrinkles here i put them like on my lip on my mouth and like feel the bend of of my fingers mm. and i do that all the time and especially when i'm like nervous or anxious or when there's like i'll catch myself and i'm like oh gosh stop and so that's a really random one but that is that is definitely mine good to know we're gonna be watching for that one <laughs> i know yeah. no it's a good especially one sometimes it's just like together. i'm bored and i get lost and <laughs> lost in it but most of the time it's because i'm anxious if I'm anxious and setting, I'm moving a lot. Like mm -hmm. here, if I'm standing, I will pace. Yes, every phone call. Every He's phone on, call. On the move, out the door, on the move. Yeah, walk around <laughs> the block 17 times. I think if I'm probably like in a nervous, high tension situation, it's, you know, like I'll sweat, you know. Okay. Um, not like full body, but just like, I don't you know, armpit. Mm -hmm. type stuff yeah. and then my other one is if i'm watching sports and it's like i i just naturally like kind of chew on my fingernails but it's like the only like that's that's the only reason or time that i do that sports. it's like sports okay. watching sports on tv gotcha i don't have a good one i think 
my wife would probably tell you I withdraw. I don't really like being around people if I'm, like, I'm nervous, stuff like that. I'd rather be alone. I don't want to have a conversation with you. Just go into the head. Yeah, like you'll be talking to me, and I, like, I'm looking at you, but I'm not listening to you. Yes. <laughs> I'm somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right, let's uh, wrap up. Um, as we wrap up this series, and this may be something that you've said before. It doesn't have to be completely unique, but what would you say is one thing in your own life that has been transformative for you in community? Hmm. Bodhi, why don't you start us? One thing in community that has been transformative for me, um, I mean, we've said it in a number of different ways, but accountability Mm -hmm. would be huge. So, yep, that would be mine. Mine is uh, just the fruit of longevity and faithfulness, of being committed to stay planted in the same place for the long haul. Um, I just think that there are things, fruit and life, uh, benefits, spiritual benefits that just cannot be replicated any other way than just being willing to like, I'm here. This, these are my people. This is my family. And, uh, just sticking it out through the ups and downs and what comes from that. Your question was what, what is transformative? Yes. Is that what you asked? Yeah. What's one thing in your own life that's been transformative? Yeah, I, I think just the uh, intentional pursuit of certain people. Um, it was probably 15 years ago when I kind of began to learn of, you know, different levels of mentors and relationships um, that I could invite or pursue and so even just knowing that was highly transformative of who are the people that I need you know like a therapist a counselor a Mm -hmm. spiritual director um, a coach you know a mentor um, you know just even like the church community Mm -hmm. but um, being intentional about that asking like inviting those people into my life no Mm -hmm. one's actually ever come to me and said hey can I mentor you? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I've asked a lot of mentors into my life. Yeah. And that's been transformative yeah. of uh, realizing who I needed through other coaches and mentors and then inviting those people through prayer and, you know, lots of things. So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. T- intentional pursuit of the right people. Yeah, one of mine would definitely be intentionality. So Jim just alluded to that. I think the other thing that comes to mind are the words like, uh, risk and vulnerability. I just feel like there's so much beauty on the other side of that. But um, every time it requires a level yeah. of risk. And and when you do that, it doesn't always turn out, you know, mm-hmm. exactly how you want it to. Yeah. And so some people I think will risk or be vulnerable and then they, they pull back. Well, I'm not going to do that again, or it didn't work out. And, you know, continually putting yourself out there in the right places with the right people and then opening yourself up to give and receive and be healed and be known. Um, all of that is scary. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's 
all of us would say there's a part of me that I don't mind sharing and then there's a 5%, there's a 2% that I really don't want anybody to know that. Mm -hmm. And yet somebody has to, Yeah. Yeah. you know? And that's really scary whenever you get to a place in a relationship where you're, you know, going to share that 5% that you've never said, you know, or that 2% of nobody knows what happened, you know, or what I went through or what I'm currently processing. And, you know, I, I, I talk about this all the time, but I just feel like that 5% and 2% is where the enemy just absolutely does the most damage mm-hmm. because, um, we feel like we have to keep that to ourselves. Yeah. Um, you know, the Mother's Day message that I preached, which was probably the most vulnerable message I've ever preached that I cried through first service most of the time. Second service was a little bit better. I mean, that was, preparing that sermon was like, I would rather preach anything mm-hmm. but this. Because it's, for me, it was kind of that 5%, 2%. I was like, that's just not something I really want the public to know. Yeah. Right? Um, and then there's that part of me that it felt like it was a step of obedience. Part of me was saying, feeling like, um, you don't want to do this, but on the other side of this risk and vulnerability, there's um, freedom, Mm -hmm. right? I I think we come across that all the time in our life where we have to choose. And so I just encourage people and challenge them. It's like, it's not going to be easy to open yourself up and find the right people and be intentional and want to share that. But look at the life and freedom that's in that, you know, it's worth it. It's difficult, but it's worth it, you know? Yep. Yeah, because of the brokenness. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I think even I, Matt kind of stirred some things up that I had forgotten of, you know, prior to, uh, you know, when I w- was married to my first wife, I just, I didn't practice this. You know, I mean, I was very closed off, was never open, you know, really about what was going on. And then once my, uh, you know, I went through the divorce and I had the journey guys around me, it just... It, it like it completely flipped where I was like, man, you know, if I, if I have a guy that, you know, is, is needing help, like I'll jump into the deep end of the pool mm-hmm. with them and where I was, I would have never done that, you know, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that brokenness, um, you know, I, I do, I do risk it way more now mm-hmm. than I did before. Um, but it was because of the deep brokenness that I went through and the beauty that happens through like you talked about the freedom that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a huge shift that happened to me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So what is, uh, final question, what is uh, the takeaway, you know, for, for City Church, for our community now after walking through the series of the last uh, few months, what would be your hope um, for a takeaway for our community, our people? I know it sounds a little bit cliche, but I, I, I think obedience is always the goal. Yeah. Like practical obedience of saying, you know, as you look through this Becoming Family series, there's some of us that we're driving our passions and our opinions higher than anything. Mm-hmm. And maybe the Holy Spirit saying, you know, you're actually killing the community that you desire, you know, with some of the non-essentials. And there's some of the people that are just scared and sitting on the outside and just not willing to risk it. And, you know, I think we, to become family, we have to identify and it's usually always something what's keeping us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's keeping us from really experiencing a level of community. 
and what does obedience to this look like? You know, what do, what do I do? What practical step do I need to take? Um, you know, Rachel shared the story, but people around the table at Microchurch Discovery Night sharing that how difficult that is. I mean, I just celebrate that, like, but you're here. You're here, mm-hmm. yeah. You're here. Yes. And now you've positioned yourself for God to break through in incredible ways mm-hmm. because you're here and you're willing to say yes. You know, that's a step of obedience. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I think I shared this in my message, but, um, you know, that the end goal looking like messy community, like our people just engaging with, because it's all good and easy to talk about when we're just talking about everyone's facing forward. We're listening to this, you know, beautiful message or whatever, but like the life on life, actually nitty gritty of it all is messy Mm -hmm. and it is difficult and it is hard. And so everybody, you know, really choosing to engage in the mess of what it looks like to be family and uh, let the fruit come from that because it will. Mm -hmm. And so just really our people just engaging. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. It's just, um, we've all alluded to this, but just trusting God and, and taking the step, mm-hmm. you know, and there's so many people that have never stepped into community of any kind and, uh, and trusted God with that. And then for those that are, there's always a step that God is inviting us deeper into, Yeah, you know, a new level of trust and, um, you know, something that we may not even realize that we've kind of hidden or compressed um, our stuff down deep, you know, and uh, so whatever that is, you know, just, I think that's my hope, mm-hmm. you know, is t- to take whatever step that is, you know, but, and it is, it's obedience mm-hmm. uh, under Christ, yep. you know, yeah. trusting him. I think if I was going to, I mean, it sounds the same, but that it doesn't just stay right here at the end of this series, but yeah. it's something that we continually pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond this, that would be my, my hope and dream mm-hmm. at the end of the series. Yeah. Awesome. Great guys. Matt, would you mind praying over <laughs> us, our people and kind of wrapping up this sure. time together? Yeah. yeah. Father, we thank you, God, for the invitation, um, to be your hands and feet, to be your body, to be this community of believers, um, and committed to you, committed to one another willing to work through all of our differences, willing to be a reflection of Jesus to a world around us that's lost and hurting and needs you, Father. And God, we need your grace. God, we need the fruit of the Spirit alive and active in each and every one of us in order to truly become family. And so God, would you help us? God, even just make us aware of what that step of obedience looks like. Maybe some places where we're hiding or maybe places that we're um, hesitant to step out in faith. Maybe some some areas that are hurting community and, and the church around us, Father. Make us aware, Father, um, of how we can help build your body. Father, I thank you for every person that's listening today, God, um, that your Holy Spirit speaks clearly what that would be that next step of faith, what obedience looks like. And I pray that you would move us into being truly a reflection of Jesus to the world. God, that's what we want to be. We want to look like Jesus. We want to live and act like Jesus in everything we do. We just thank you for for this community of believers, this opportunity. And we love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.